Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Koinonia. I am not Tom Brown. My name is Dustin Daniels and I am your guest host for this afternoon. I am the founding pastor of Seven Places, which is a Christ-centered purity ministry based here in Phoenix, Arizona. And I also host the Dustin Daniels radio show that airs every Sunday at 3.30 p.m., on Faith Talk 1360. So what do we talk about on our radio show? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. We talk about God and we talk about sex and current events. And by God's grace, I have the unbelievable privilege of interviewing Christian authors and leaders and pastors on the subjects of purity and healthy sexuality, pornography, and addiction. And if you're, lear- if you're interested in, in learning more, we have over 130 shows on the websites along with some of the other resources for your family and your church. And uh, by God's grace, the show is listened to in 80 countries uh, around the world. And all you have to do is go to DustinDanielsRadio.com and you can learn more. You can also learn more about the Purity Ministry of Seven Places at SevenPlaces.org. And by the way, we are starting a brand new webinar series, and this is like an online seminar. It's on the subject of pornography. Now, I I understand the shame that is involved and the weirdness that goes on when we start talking about sexual sin. And this is an unbelievable opportunity for you to ask your own personal questions from the privacy of your home, your office, or a mobile device. The, the webinar starts Wednesday, April 6th at 6 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, and it's called The Porn Cycle, Understanding Your Temptation. And basically, I'm going to be teaching the first 30 minutes and then answering your questions during the last 30 minutes. Some of the topics that the webinar will cover, and number one, why, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard for people to stop looking at pornography. Number two, how, how do I respond when I'm tempted? Or if I'm a pastor, if I'm a minister, how do I teach my congregation how to respond when I'm tempted? Learning the 11 different triggers to what's called the porn cycle. And then uh, fourth and finally, the most important is this idea of understanding the role, the, the role of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit inside this purity journey, this purity walk. And and once again, you can check out all that stuff at DustinDanielsRadio.com for more information. And then secondly, we also have immersion workshop dates. And what immersion is, it's a two-day men's workshop for those struggling with sexual integrity. And this two-day event will literally immerse you in Scripture, in worship, and inside community. And if you're struggling with sexual integrity, this could be your starting point to learn a life that God has planned for you. And uh, we've got immersion dates coming up March 25th and 26th. That is Easter weekend. What a great way to celebrate Easter Sunday, freed up from the sexual sin 
in our lives. Also, April 22nd and 23rd. Well, for this afternoon, I wanted to introduce you to a frontline ministry that is doing unbelievable work at the highest level within our our government and our judicial system. And they are passionate about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through the lens of purity. But they do it, check this out, they do it as a legal organization. We do have Christian attorneys among us. (laughs) Alliance Defending Freedom is going to be joining us. Matthew Sharp is going to be joining us. He is legal counsel. And we are going to be talking about some issues this sexual revolution that we find ourselves in. What is going on with all this craziness and these laws? How do we deal with allowing boys in the girls' restroom and in the locker room? What's this deal with non-discrimination? That's coming up and more. Welcome to Coin and Neon Faith Talk 1360 AM. I'm your guest host, Dustin Daniels. And for this afternoon, I wanted to introduce you to a frontline ministry that once again is doing unbelievable work at the highest level within the government and judicial system. Alliance Defending Freedom is an alliance building nonprofit legal organization that advocates for the right of people to freely live out their faith. My guest today is Matthew Sharp, and Matthew serves as the legal counsel with ADF, where he plays a key role with the Center for Religious Liberty. Matt joined ADF in 2010. He earned his JD from the Vanderbilt University School of Law. Matt, welcome to Koinonia. Thanks so much for having me, Dustin. Hey, Matt, I, I wanted to have you on the show to give some context here to this this new sexual revolution that that we're living in. We're, we're living in a very different country from just a, a few years ago. And, and most of us are aware of the Supreme Court ruling on, on gay marriage last June. But I'm guessing that most of us don't really realize what else is taking place when it comes to the laws that are, are trying to be passed regarding privacy issues, uh, what's called non-discrimination issues, and, and gender identity rights And uh, let me start off this afternoon with just this issue of our children's rights in schools. And we've got some things going on here with with bathroom bills and locker room issues. Can you can you give us a broad overview of what you're working on? Absolutely. So this is an issue that's been bubbling up for several years now, and it is the U.S. Department of Education under the Obama administration starting to tell public schools across the country that you have to let boys use girls' restrooms and locker rooms, et cetera, and vice versa, simply if those students identify as the opposite sex. So if you've got a boy that thinks he's a girl, you have to allow him to use the girls' restrooms and shower and change next to the girls. And so for about two years now, the the Department of Education has been building this idea that uh, these federal laws that, that ban sex discrimination Title IX is a big one. A lot of people may have heard about it when it comes to colleges and sports teams. And it was this law that was passed years ago that said you've got to give equal opportunities for boys and girls. So you've got to have equal sports teams, and girls and guys have to be able to do the same majors and things like that, a very common-sense good law. But the Obama administration's Department of Education has come along and said, well, we reinterpret the word sex differently so that it now includes sexual orientation and gender identity. And so if you ever take any action that tells 
a boy that thinks he's a girl, that he can't be treated like a girl, you're in violation of how we read Title IX. And we're going to take away all of your federal funding and all of this stuff. So the Department of Education is going around telling these schools, you can't have separate restrooms for boys and girls anymore. You've got to let them go wherever they want to, or you're going to be at risk of losing all of your funding. Okay. And for schools, that wow. could be a big chunk of change. Well, and, uh, and so a lot of schools have sadly been rolling over and giving into this. No kidding. So if, if I feel like a woman, if I'm a, is this happening in middle schools or high schools or both? Um, even as young as kindergarten. You have got have, to be been... kidding me, Matt. Really? Not at all. Yeah. So if 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 my little boy says that he feels like a girl on a certain day, then the Department of Education is going to allow him to use the girls' restroom? That's absolutely right. And you can't question it. You can't doubt it. You can't do anything because that is their truth. And schools have to abide by that decision, regardless of how it impacts everybody else. And this is coming from the Department of Education or from from the Obama administration? Uh, one and the same, I would say. But, yeah, it, they, they've been instructed. The Department of Education has made this one of their priorities. So they're going to school districts across the country, threatening them, um, bullying them into adopting policies that allow this. And in the wake, they're leaving all of these other students. They're having their right to privacy trampled on by this this very aggressive action from the U.S. Department of Education. And this is happening at the elementary school level. That, that's that's hard for me to fathom that these these children would would say something as silly as that is, and then for adults to allow it to happen. And then when you get into the 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 middle school and then the high school. High school were, would be, I guess, the most dangerous. What, are these laws actually being passed? Or are you are you guys litigate litigating them right now? Yeah, some of both. Um, and so, primarily, we've been working a lot with school districts that are fighting this. Um, some school districts. There, there's a notable one in Virginia, the Gloucester School District, um, that they had a female student. This was in their their high school. Female student that claimed to be a male wanted to use the male locker rooms, restrooms, et cetera. And, and the school district initially said yes. But parents soon found out about this and started showing up at school board meetings saying, hey, we're not comfortable with this. Uh, our students are not comfortable with this, and it's violating their rights. And so the school board did the right thing. They reversed course, and they actually adopted a, a model policy based on one that Alliance Spending Freedom has been offering to school districts. Mm. And they got sued. Uh, and so this female student being represented by American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, files a lawsuit against this school district saying, you're violating Title IX and the Constitution and all of this stuff. Um, and so we're seeing these battles play out in court. And so we got involved and, and um, worked behind the scenes to provide some legal support to the school district and, and get others involved in it. But um, these battles are going on, and so we're not only – trying to help students and parents protect their rights, but there are good school districts that are trying to do the right thing and fight against a very aggressive Department of Education, and so we go in and help them as well. My guest today is Matthew Sharp. He's legal counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. And uh, if you would like to learn more about ADF, you can do that at AllianceDefendingFreedom.org. Matt, what's at stake for the schools if they don't comply? Most schools, on average, get about $1,200 per student in federal funding. Mm. 
So for your average school district, this could be anywhere from 100000 to over a million dollars in federal funding every year. And so this is a huge um, threat that the federal government is making, but it's also an empty threat because every time this issue has gone to court, like the case in Virginia, there was another one in, in Pittsburgh involving the University of Pittsburgh, almost identical situation where a female student began demanding to use the male restrooms and locker rooms at the university, and the university said, no, we, we've got to draw a line. We'll offer you some accommodations. We'll let you use a single-stall restroom or something like that, but we've got to protect every other student's privacy. These schools have taken a stand, and every single time they have won, every single time the Department of Education has lost, and the concept and right of privacy has prevailed. But for a lot of schools, they're, they're, they're cautious because all they're seeing is, man, you know, the, the Department of Education is going to take away hundreds of thousands of dollars in funding we need. And so they're placed in this difficult situation of do we lose all of this money that's going to hurt our students or do we violate the right to privacy, which is absolutely going to hurt them. And so we're trying to give courage to these school districts to say, take a stand. Student privacy is worth fighting for, um, making sure that girls are not embarrassed and humiliated and put at emotional and psychological risk of harm um, by losing their right to privacy, that's worth fighting for. So take a fight, take a stand for your students on this issue. And groups like ADF, we're going to stand with you. We're going to defend you and make sure that the common sense proposition that boys and girls should have their privacy protected at school, that that proposition continues to stand firm and win the day. Matt, I tell you, that just scares me to death as someone who works with families on purity issues and and sexual health issues and pornography, um, allowing boys who think they're women, who who think they're girls at that age, into the locker room, that is called trauma. And when, when girls are exposed to that kind of stuff and Obviously, the Department of, Educa- of Education doesn't see this as a moral issue, do they? Not at all. Not at all. This is one where they're pushing their agenda. And you mentioned this earlier, you know, with the Supreme Court's decision creating a right to same-sex marriage. Um, this is the next on the LGBT movement's agenda. They won same-sex marriage. Now they're moving on to transgender so-called rights. And, uh, and they're pushing this. And so they don't care about who's harmed in all of this. They don't care that they're stomping on students' constitutional rights. This is an agenda. And their goal is to transform American society because they know if they can raise up a generation of kids who don't have a right to privacy and who don't see a problem with sharing intimate spaces uh, while changing and showering with the opposite sex, then they've conquered American society and all of that. And they've, they've established this idea that privacy doesn't exist, differences between men and women don't exist anymore, um, gender is just something that your mind decides you are rather than a biological reality. And so it very much is a agenda that they are forcing on our, our students. How many of these cases are, are you guys working on, and, and how long has this been going? Are, are these isolated things, or is this starting to ramp up a bit? This is absolutely starting to ramp up. It was about two years ago that the Department of Education first uh, did this letter that they sent out, and that's all it is. It's a letter that they wrote that has no binding force or effect of law, but said you were going to start interpreting sex discrimination to include gender identity. So you got to treat transgender students however they identify, whether they're boy or girl, doesn't matter. If they identify as a boy or girl, that's all that matters. 
And so they started um, telling schools this, and it was very slow at first, but then they started going and, and knocking on doors and threatening these schools, and it's ramped up very quickly. And it's not just in California or Massachusetts or things like that. It's happening in Chicago. It's happening in Missouri. It's happening all over the country that these situations are popping up. Uh, and schools can't say, well, you know, we, we live in the south or we live in a conservative area. It is those very areas that the Department of Education is often targeting and going in and making these threats against these school districts. And once again, I'm trying to wrap my brain around their goal. And you mentioned that the goal is that their their vision is what again? To, to not have, and I'm guessing the word shame comes to mind, but having boys and girls in the same locker room, it benefits who and what? It's, I'd say their goal is a genderless society okay. where you are whatever you want, however you want, however you want to express yourself. Um, male and female doesn't matter anymore. It's what you think you are on that particular day. Um, that's how they're going to govern society. And this has broad-reaching implications in so many areas beyond bathroom access. Unbelievable. Matthew Sharp is my guest today. He's with Alliance Defending Freedom. Legal counsel talking about exactly uh, the things that we started talking about the beginning of the show. And that is what happens when we don't look at God's purity, his morality, and how it can get so far out of bounds that we, we, we don't even have any common sense to say no to this stuff anymore. We're going to continue our conversation with Matt. Stay tuned on Koinonia 1360 KPXQ. To Koinonia 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. I'm your guest host, Dustin Daniels, and my guest today is Matthew Sharp. He serves as legal counsel with the Alliance Defending Freedom. To find more about ADF, you can visit AllianceDefendingFreedom.org. And we are talking about some pretty crazy, what most of us would say, common sense type issues. We're we're talking in the last segment about bathroom bills. Uh, Just imagine your, your... little boy or little girl coming home from school and telling you that they are now allowing little boys into the girl's locker room. And that's what's happened. These laws are being passed. And Matt Sharp, who is a legal counsel with the Center for Religious Liberty with ADF, is in is in the thick of these, these um, lawsuits. Now, Matt, tell us a little bit about, we hear this word, non-discrimination. What does, what does that mean? Yeah, it, it basically means that um, the government or governmental entities um, shouldn't punish or take action against somebody um, for a variety of reasons, whether it's because of their race or their sex or their religious beliefs. And so it's just a principle that um, people shouldn't be punished because of uh, a, a characteristic, how they were born or what they believe. So when I hear that term, I think, well, that, that's a great term. You know, yeah. I, I, nobody wants to be discriminatory, correct? That's absolutely right. And, and our nation has a, a good history of remedying some of that from the civil rights laws to our efforts to create equality for women as well. And so we've, we've done a good job of remedying that. And then also tell us, what does this idea of religious liberty mean? When, when I hear that term, what do you want me to think of? 
It always goes back to the government should never be able to force you to do something that violates your beliefs. You ought to be able to freely worship God or whatever your religious beliefs are according to what your heart believes, what your mind tells you, what your, your religious faith tells you. It's an idea that religion is a good thing and should be encouraged and freely exercised in our country without the government picking and choosing what religious beliefs are okay and which ones aren't. And, and the cases that you work on with Alliance Defending Freedom, a, a lot of them, or is it most of them, deal with religious liberty. Is that right? Absolutely right. So can you give us an example? I, I know you worked on uh, a case in South, is it South Dakota with some athletic bills? Yes. So we, we've dealt with some, and uh, they actually related to this, this transgender issue, um, but also even some broader ones outside of that that dealt with this idea that um, whether it's on a, a sports team or things like that, that, number one, boys and girls ought to um, play on sports teams for their biological sex. But then we also worked on some dealing with this idea of government non-discrimination, that specifically when it comes to religious beliefs about marriage and about the biological differences between guys and girls, that a, a church or a nonprofit organization or uh, a mom-and-pop business, things like that, should not face government discrimination because they want to act in accordance with their beliefs. We've actually got several states across the country, including South Dakota, that uh, we're looking at such laws. And again, it, it goes back to the common sense idea that the government shouldn't be fining you or punishing you or taking away a church's or nonprofit's tax-exempt status because they believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. You know, even in the Supreme Court case from last term that created the, the right to same-sex marriage, Justice Kennedy acknowledged that there are people of devout religious belief, and they're good people, and they're, they're trying to just live out their faith, and they ought to be allowed to do so, even in spite of this ruling. And so what this Government Non-Discrimination Act does is make sure that the government doesn't start to punish Christians and people of all faiths simply because they want to continue to live according to the belief that marriage is between a man and a woman. Are Christians right now being punished for their, for their beliefs in these cases? Absolutely they are. We see it happen far too often. An example, I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia. We had one with uh, Fire Chief Kelvin Cochran. Outstanding fire chief, had won national acclaim, was, was hand-selected by President Obama to be the, the national fire administrator, and came back to Atlanta and, and really did some incredible things with our fire department here, of, of making it one of the top in the country. On his own free time, he wrote a devotional book for some men at his church. And it was basically talking about uh, men stepping up and, and living the life God called them to. And in a couple sentences in this book, he talks about sexuality. And he says, anything outside of, of sex between a man and a woman in the confines of, of marriage Anything outside of that, whether it's homosexuality or adultery or pornography or things like that, is all unbiblical and violates God's plan. Well, he published this book. He handed out a few copies to some colleagues that were interested in it at work. And next thing you know, he's getting called in and said, hey, you're uh, likely to discriminate against gays and lesbians here on the workforce, and we're going to fire you because of this. And so here's Kelvin Cochran, an outstanding fire chief, fired, penalized, punished by the government, simply because he held a traditional belief about marriage and wrote about it in a book on his own time. And we hear lots of other stories about that, of bakers and florists and adoption agencies and, and homeless shelters and things like that, all losing, facing 
the risk of losing their tax-exempt status or facing government fines simply because they want to hold to traditional beliefs about marriage. And so this is a very real threat going on across our country. Hmm. Wow. So, so Matt, where do, from their perspective, if, if they're not based, if their foundation is not Christ— and they're not a Bible-believing person or, or government or school or, or any of that, where do their rights come from? Do, do they actually come from the government? Yeah, that's exactly right, is that our, our whole system of government from, from right there in our Declaration of Independence was based upon the idea that there are certain inalienable rights that come from our Creator. And it's important because if rights come from God, then the government can never infringe upon them, and they can't take them away. But if, like you said, if rights come from the government, then what the government gives, the government can take away. And so if our right to freely exercise our religion comes from the government, the government can snatch it away one day. And that's why these battles over religious liberty and, and preventing the government from discriminating against people of all faith are important, because what they are standing for is this idea that government, our rights don't come from you, and you can't restrict them. They come from someplace greater. They come from someplace that the government can never touch. And that's why it's so important to fight for these rights and to fight for religious liberty, because if the government can take away religious liberty, then all of our rights, our freedom of, of speech, our freedom of the press, um, all of those rights are then subject to the government taking away as well. Wow. So we could really ask uh, another question then. If if government – I'm sorry. If the rights come from the government, then truth, ultimate truth, then would come from man and not from God from their perspective as well. That is so true. And in all of these subjects, from, from the transgender issue to same-sex marriage to all of these, I keep hearing this phrase pop up again and again and again. And they'll say, well, this is my truth. My truth is that mm. by biologically being a man, I feel like a woman. My truth is that despite all of the social science and the history of, human, the history of humanity that says one man and one woman in, in marriage is best for their children and for society as a whole, my truth is that my marriage to someone of the same sex is best. And it's getting away from that idea that there is objective truth, that there is uh, objective truth that all of society should be, accord, should, should be structured around. And so you're hitting it the nail on the head is that we're getting to a place where the government now decides what is true and false rather than truth being something that is apart from the government and apart from human belief, but it is an objective thing that stands apart from all of us. Matt Sharp is my guest. He's legal counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom. And, and Matt, where do you see us going from here? If if the people that are listening, our listeners right now, they've never heard of ADF, they've never heard of these issues, they would be shocked to, to find their little girl come home who's in fifth or sixth grade and say, my school is now allowing this boy in our locker rooms and we're supposed to change in front of them. How are... What are they supposed to do? How are they supposed to respond and take action? Yeah, number one is they've got to take a stand on this issue. Start calling the principal and the superintendent and the school board and saying, hey, this is not okay. Our students, our children have a constitutional right to privacy. So the, the hard part in all of these battles is a lot of times Christians and, and, and even non-Christians that know that common sense is that boys and girls should have separate facilities, they're afraid to take a stand. Um, the LGBT movement has, has really been bullying those that stand out against this and stand for common sense protections for privacy and safety at school and in other places. 
we've got to have courage and take a stand on this issue. Um, science is on our side. The laws are on our side, and even the courts are on our side. And so we ought to be bold in this issue, and we ought to be bold for the sake of our kids. But also I'd encourage them get in touch with us. Um, we've actually developed some very comprehensive resources that we try and get in the hands of parents. We can send a letter to the school board explaining why this violates student privacy and why if they will take a stand, ADF will stand with them and even offer them free legal representation if they ever got sued for having a good policy that protects and respects student privacy. So there's tons of resources, but it starts with parents and students, pastors and community members saying, you know what, this is an issue worth fighting for. Protecting student privacy is worth fighting for because if we can protect this at school and if we can win these battles at school, then it's going to protect churches and the right of churches to be able to have separate facilities. And it's going to protect business owners. And you think of, um, you know, YMCA and athletic clubs that want to be able to have separate locker rooms and changing rooms for men and women. This is a battle that isn't just about schools, but it impacts all of society from churches to businesses to everything else. And so if we can fight and win these battles for our students in our schools, then it's going to benefit every aspect of society. And always connected back to the Bible. Um, you look at same-sex marriage, and it was always a, really a fight and a struggle against God's original design of, of uh, man and woman together in holy matrimony to, for life. This is a battle of one step earlier in Genesis where it says God created them male and female. And this is a battle saying, hey, that's not true anymore. There's a spectrum of genders, and you decide for yourself what you are rather than biology, and we as Christians would say your creator, deciding and beautifully creating you and your sex and your biology just as he wanted it to. So from that perspective, it's a scriptural battle worth fighting for as well. Unbelievable. Matthew Sharp, Legal Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. Matt, thank you so much for spending some time with us on these very, very important topics. And privilege. Thanks for having me, Dustin. You, you bet. And, and I love the fact we have a Christian attorney on the air quoting Scripture. I love it. I absolutely love. It. And and you know, Matt brings some some great points. What is marriage? What is truth? Where where do our rights come from? If they are coming from the government, if they're coming from Donald Trump, we we got we got to take a look at that, don't we? But if we if we believe in what Christ has done for us, then we know that the laws come from the ultimate lawgiver. And we're going to talk more about that when we return right here on Koinonia 1360 KPXQ. Welcome back to Koinonia. On 1360 KPXU Faith Talk, I am not Tom Brown. My name is Dustin Daniels, and I am your guest host today. Tom, I believe, is doing his civic duty in jury duty. So you get me. If you've never heard my show, you can listen to it on Sunday afternoons at 3.30. It's the Dustin Daniels radio show, and what I talk about are purity issues. We talk about God, sex, and current Events and uh, just want to thank um, Alliance Defending Freedom uh, with Matt Sharp once again, legal counsel, for spending some time with us, really showing us how far we can get from True North, from this this idea that the government will give us our rights and the government will define truth. 
And I'm, I'm reminded of, of Pontius Pilate asking the Lord himself, what is truth? And, and, and truth with a capital T was, was standing right in front of him. And when we, when we move off center and, and we start saying things like, well, marriage is this and marriage is that, and we, you don't have a biblical definition. And, and keep in mind, if we don't understand what marriage is, then we're going to have a hard time explaining that, not just to people within the church who are maybe new believers, but people you work with. Because anything outside that covenant, that covenant marriage between one man and one woman, is called sin. And this purity issue is so important to our Lord. It, it, it really is. And, and you, you heard some examples there from, from where the cases that Matt is working on. Schools, public schools allowing little boys inside the girls' locker room. Because the little boy feels like a little girl and vice versa. And he could tell you, I'm sure, more and more cases of, of uh, girls wanting to play on the boys' uh, soccer team and football team. And, and then that means they're going to be in the locker rooms together. This is how far we get off center. And the center is always Jesus Christ. It's absolutely amazing that there's some Idaho ministers that are are now being forced to either perform same-sex ceremonies or they're going to serve jail time. He's Alliance Defending Freedom is working on that case as well. So if you want to learn more about this idea of of purity and sexual sin and what pornography is doing to our culture— what pornography is doing to our families and our churches. If you've heard the name Josh McDowell, he is putting on a conference. He's really on a mission to do something about this porn pandemic within our churches. Josh actually states, I, when I interviewed him, and by the way, you can check out this interview if you go to DustinDanielsRadio.com, Josh states that pornography is the greatest threat to the cause of Christ since the beginning of the church. Now that, my friend, is a huge statement. So if you're a pastor, if you're a church leader, if you're a school administrator or just a parent, this is a conference to seriously consider. And and really gathering together as the body of Christ and the, the sanctity of our churches and the health of our families and our children to see how we're going to deal with this new sexual epidemic that is going on in our culture right now. So this this conference is called Set Free. It's a global summit. It's actually coming up very quickly. It's April 4th through the 7th. It's in Greensboro, North Carolina, four full days. There's 30 different speakers there. And the website to register and for more information is setfreesummit.org. Once again, that's setfreesummit.org. You can register and find out all about that. Also coming up, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, coming up in April, 
the same exact week, actually. It's April 6th. The Ministry of Seven Places. It's a purity ministry. I'm the founding pastor. We're going to start something new, and this is a, a weekly webinar series, and it's called The Porn Cycle, Understanding Your Temptation. It's interesting that Barna, along with Josh McDowell, they are actually going to release some new statistics on pornography and sexual sin and just the state of the church when it comes to this pandemic of pornography. And and the really, let's think about this. This pandemic is because of the, the internet and the accessibility that we have on our phones. So what we're going to do is we're going to give the opportunity for people to log in as a online seminar. It's an online teaching portal. And I'm going to be teaching the first 30 minutes. And this material is the same material that I teach here in Phoenix about pornography, about healthy sexuality, but specifically understanding why pornography has the power that it does over so many of our lives. Statistically, the old stats said that one out of every two, so 50% of men who claimed to be Christian were actually addicted to pornography. And that means that they couldn't stop watching if they wanted to. Because addiction means that there's a medical condition. The medical condition is the brain chemistry that that happens inside uh, your body. You've got dopamine and adrenaline, and when those things are mixed together inside the frontal cortex of your brain, it's powerful. And even more powerful is when you add the element of sin on top of that. So this webinar series is is to address, number one, why is it so hard to stop looking at pornography? And then how, how do I respond when I'm tempted? There are 11 different triggers within the porn cycle. You're going to learn those. And then most importantly, as a former addict friend, someone who struggled with pornography and sexual sin for over 20 years of my life, understanding the role of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in your purity journey. Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor. He is the the great physician, and he is the way to freedom. It's it's interesting that, that we can be forgiven. We've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of our life, and yet we're not free. In Galatians 5, the apostle Paul writes, it is for freedom that Jesus Christ has set us free. Don't go back into this yoke of slavery. And that's what we're finding. We're we're finding that there is a pandemic of of people in our churches. And I know it's hard to believe, especially if you're a pastor or minister or priest and you're listening to the sound of my voice. You're like, no way. Not my congregation. There's no way. And I would say someone who works alongside churches and is in the trenches of your families, I would say way. And my encouragement to you is to address this issue from a biblical standpoint. 
what does the Lord have to say about sexual health? What, what is sexual sin? So I would invite you uh, to check out both websites. You can visit DustinDanielsRadio.com. There are 130-plus 30-minute radio shows on this idea of purity and, and what that looks like. And then you can visit the Ministry of Seven Places as well and get signed up for the, the webinar. Once again, it's a weekly webinar, and it happens every Wednesday night starting the first week in April. Lastly, I wanted to share with you this idea of Romans 7. Why is it that I, I want to do what is right, but I just don't do it? The Apostle Paul wrote those words, and, and the very things that I don't want to do, well, those are the things that I do. <laughs> why, why am I doing that? Why am I doing these things? Who's going to save me from this bondage that I find myself in? Man, those are piercing words, and, and for many of us, we, we ask the same question. And then the Apostle Paul goes on, doesn't he? He, he kind of he answers his own question. Who's, who's going to save me from this body, this, this life of sin and death, these choices that I keep making? Who's going to do that? And he says, well, thank you, Lord Jesus. You're the one that has saved me now. Now that I'm forgiven, now I need to do some different things. I need to uh, start walking in the freedom that you died for to allow me to be the, the, the godly man, the godly woman, raising godly children, being men and women of integrity. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of Almighty God dwells inside of you. And friends, that's why this sin is so important to understand. That's why the Apostle Paul writes, this, is, this sin is unique. And it's because we as, as Christians house, we are vessels, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And how dare we go and take this temple and connect it to something like pornography? That's why this thing is so serious. So once again, I, wanna, I want to invite you to check out the Dustin Daniels radio show. Check out the Purity Ministry of Seven Places. And once again, on those issues of your children engaging, going to school, and with the laws changing around you, checking out the website of AllianceDefendingFreedom.org and seeing how you can protect your community and your children from this point forward. When we come back, we're going to look at a couple verses that wraps up what God's standard of purity is and how to fix our eyes on Jesus. You're listening to Koinonia on 1360 KPXQ.
Welcome back to Koinonia 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. I am your guest host, Tom Brown, is doing his civic duty, I believe, and jury duty. And it has been a pleasure uh, being with you this afternoon. I, I really pray that you have enjoyed the conversation with Matt Sharp of Alliance Defending Freedom and being aware of what's going on with this purity uh, sexual revolution that we are experiencing, especially when it comes to the laws. And as a purity pastor with a ministry of seven places based here in Phoenix, I, I wanted to close our time with some scripture because that's where it begins and this is where it ends. And I, I love the, the simplicity of God's word. And when we read God's word, we are actually hearing his voice. And when you have a, a question or maybe a secret sin, a habitual sin, something like purity issues, sexual integrity, or, or dealing with pornography, what does God's word say about this? Psalm 119 verse 9. The psalmist writes, how can a young person stay pure? Such a simplistic question, isn't it? And then the psalmist answers his own question. He, he, he says, by obeying your word. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord, teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations that you've given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in all riches, and I'm going to study your commandments, and I'm going to reflect your ways, and I will delight, and I will not forget your word. Doesn't matter what your question is, the answer always points to Jesus. Have a blessed day.